Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as He makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. Hey, if you are new with us, uh, my name is Jimmy. I am one of the pastors here at Missio Day Uptown. And I just want to say thank you so much for spending your Christmas Eve with us. This is a really exciting time, a really good time. Uh, Before I begin, I just want to say, um, so this week, our family was pretty sick, and then Tiana has COVID. And y'all, if you know Tiana, Tiana's one of our other pastors, for those of you who don't know. Um, This is like her Super Bowl. She loves, like, planning things. Um, And so she was so bummed to not be here. And so be praying for her. Uh, But I do want to say, like, uh, last night, she called Chris and girl Dean. Uh, she knew I was sick and out of town. Uh, and they, like, have done above and beyond for us this morning. And so just wanted to thank them. Uh, I mean, there are so many people to thank. Fred and Kathy get here at 7 a.m. and do everything for it. Well, Fred, yeah. <laughs> so, everyone, thank you so much. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, celebrate Christmas with my church family. So um, let's go ahead and jump in this morning. Now, I just want to say, if you polled any pop culture, culture medium from any generation or even any century, you have a really high likelihood that that play or movie or poem or song includes one main theme, right? You can probably guess the theme, but I'll just show you what I mean. First one, With love's light wings did I overperch these walls, for stony limits cannot hold love out. William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, 1597. Next one. And the sunlight clasps the earth, and the moonbeams kiss the sea. With all this sweet work, what is all this sweet work worth if thou kiss not me? Some of y'all need to be writing these down. I know, I understand you have some problems in this area. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, That's Percy Shelley, Loves Philosophy, 1824. The next one, All You Need Is Love, right? The Beatles, single, 1967. The Beatles said simply what others have been trying to say since the beginning of time. Love is essential to the human experience, right? we, We might need a little bit more than love, but love is at least included, right? Now, I don't know if y'all know this about me, um, and I probably shouldn't say this, but Jamie's in the other room so I can say it. I'm a really, really big sap. Um, I'm such a big sap. And I, I was like actually way, I'm like a hopeless romantic sort of deal. Um, I was way worse in college though. I was so bad. I don't know why I'm telling this, but um, don't hold this against me. I was so bad that every week, once a week in college, I watched the movie Moulin Rouge. Yeah. I'm glad some of you have seen this. Now, if you don't know what Moulin Rouge is, uh, it's Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman. Um, Ewan McGregor's Christian is the hopeless romantic. He falls in love with Nicole Kidman's character, Satine. Um, And so it's a a little bit of a typical love story. Uh, It's also a jukebox musical. It's like mostly Elton John music. I already told you all I like Elton John, so that really helps. Um, Except there's one, like, complication. Satine is a courtesan. And so there's a little bit of, if you don't know what that is, don't look it up. Um, it's, so it's a little bit of a complication, right? And that's all I want to tell you about what happens because it's a fun musical. But the thing that captured me about the movie 
Is that sure it portrayed romantic love in some pretty typical ways, but there's one line in it repeated a couple of times that really captures me. It's a line that Christian, Ewan McGregor's character says, uh, and the line is this, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love. Okay, that, that's not it. That's like a very typical love movie sort of quote, right? The greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love. But let me read the rest of the quote. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. And be loved in return. What a beautiful idea, right? Like the idea that it's not just important to express love, but to be someone who is loved. Moulin Rouge explores this idea by showing that Satine, being loved by Christian, fundamentally changes who she is and what her priorities are. It's the same story, if you haven't seen Moulin Rouge, it's the same story as Beauty and the Beast, right? Being loved can soften even the hardest or ugliest of hearts. And yet, the story of finding our identity and being someone who is loved was not first told in Moulin Rouge or Beauty and the Beast. The story of Christmas is a continuation of the main story about us being people who are loved. But before we explore that story, let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you uh, for the story of Christmas, uh, the story that is that we are loved by you. So Lord, let us uh, have um, attentiveness this morning to the ways in which you love us. Uh, let us have, have eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. Uh, this morning, I pray that what is heard, what is remembered is from you and not from me. Your glory, not mine. Your name, not mine. Help me to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Now, if you haven't been with us in this Advent season, welcome. Uh, we have been in a series called Advent Embodied. And what we have been exploring is that how these themes of Advent, so those are the themes of joy, hope, peace, and love, we've considered how have they been embodied by Jesus himself in Christmas. And as a result of that embodiment, how do we as a church embody those themes, right? So in other words, what does it look like for us in our current cultural context to hope? What does it look like for us to be peacemakers? What does it look like for us to choose joy? And for this morning, what does it look like for us to love well? I think it would be really easy to just sit up here and be like, y'all need to be more loving, right? <laughs> it's a really easy sermon to preach because we do. I need to be more loving, right? I do. But from my experience, what I should do or what I know I should do and what I do do are two very different things, right? Yes, I said do-do. <laughs> so many of you were trying not to laugh. I could see it. I know I should be more loving. You know you should be more loving. I don't need to spend 10 minutes telling you that, right? And yet, if we know we should be more loving, but we have a hard time being loving, where does this gap come in? Like, where is our misunderstanding of how to be people who are loving? Why, um, sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> this, I think this is where being loved comes in. Right? I think that we are actually really bad at understanding 
how deeply loved we are as people. And I think that that leads to us being more loving people. Why do I think this? Well, let's look back at the passage in 1 John to see how John tries to motivate us to love one another. Now, Chris already read it, but it's so good that I'm just going to read it again, if that's all right with you. If it's not, I'm still doing it. Dear friends, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So, in other words, this is saying, like, if you're not a loving person, do you really know God, right? Because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His, only, His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us first and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In other words, yes, we ought to love one another well, but you ought to love one another precisely because you have been loved by God first. Our experiencing love opens us up to be more loving, right? I want you to think about how babies work. Uh, not like how they're made or anything, but how they work, right? Baby, well, it was just like, a, sorry, that, I should, yeah, that was a weird phrasing. Babies have to experience immense amounts of love in order to even survive, right? Someone has to feed them, dress them, clean them, change their diapers, talk to them, hold them. We, from our birth, have to experience love first, in order to develop into people that can also love, right? God has arranged it so that when he calls us to love, it is because we have been loved first. And yet, even the idea that we are loved by God becomes a hard reality to grasp, at least for me. I have essentially moved us this morning from you should be more loving to you should experience God's love more. And that feels like just another hard thing to do, right? On more than one occasion, I have heard from some of my people, some of my friends who are deconstructing their faith, that they realize that the words, God loves you, meant nothing to them. And that was a big stepping stone to them leaving the faith. And I, and I honestly don't know if I can blame them, right? I think so often we as the church, the, the whole church, not just our church, can talk about God's love in ways that just come across as empty platitudes instead of the radically good news it is, Right? You ever walk by someone just like random, maybe in the train station or something, uh, and they just say, I love you to you? Or is that just me? Okay. Um, Even if you haven't, you can picture it. Isn't that weird, right? It's also, but it's also not meaningful. How do you love me if you don't know me, right? And yet this is where the good news of God's love comes in. God, in all his knowing, knows every single thing about us right? Listen to what Luke says. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. For some of you, that's a little bit easier than others, but that's not the point. I didn't say names. Think about it. God knows all of our thoughts before we think them. He knows us intimately, what we think about, what motivates us, what we're trying to do even when we're lying, right? 
And this can be a really scary reality that God knows everything about us, especially when we don't know what God is like. What if he knows me and rejects me as a result of knowing me, right? What if God gets to know me and doesn't love you? And I think for some of us, that, that fear of rejection when we are known, it comes from experience, right? It comes from our own lives. Maybe it was a friend, a partner, a parent who learned something about you or who you did something to, and they rejected you. Your relationship with them dramatically changed because of this. And as a result, the fear of rejection wells up every time you begin to feel known again, right? Because you know, if they get to know the real you, they can't love you anymore. Just like everyone else in your life, they will run from you. And why would, be, why would God be any different? Well, the good news, church, is that God is different, right? I cannot promise you that the more a partner or a friend gets to know you, they won't run. That might happen to you. But God has shown that he will not run from us, right? How do we know? Back to 1 John. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We know that God loved us because of Christmas. We know because Jesus, also known as Emmanuel, God with us, came to us in the form of a baby. And it wasn't just to come down to tell us to be more loving or to be a good teacher. It wasn't to be a good pastor. Jesus came down to be our Messiah, to be our Savior, the one who did not sin but became sin himself so that we might receive his righteousness, his right standing with God. Jesus came to defeat death so that nothing can get in the way of God's love for us. This is how we know God loves us, because of Christmas, because of Jesus. You, I just want you to hear this this morning. You are so deeply, incredibly loved, each and every one of you in this room. Not because of anything you do or have done, but because God himself is love. Because he embodied love through Jesus. So the good news of Christmas is that we are to be loved and love in return. I want you to rest in that love. As I wrap up the, my time this morning, keeping it short so we can eat, right? As I wrap up my time this morning, I want you to consider a question. When you picture God's face as he looks at you, what, what do you picture? What sort of face do you picture? Is it a face that is disappointed or is it one that's putting up with you as if he's annoyed with you? Uh, but he, he's trying to show that he loves you. He's trying to put on his best face, right? Or do you picture what's true? A face that is beaming with pride as he looks at you, his daughter, his son. One that would tell you over and over that he loves you, if that's what you needed to hear. One that would do anything to show you that he loves you, even die. God loves you, and he loves you with a perfect love a love that redeems you and draws close to you. I already said it, but the story of Christmas is the story of that love. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is to be loved and love in return. 
So to wrap up my time this morning, I'm going to read a part of Romans 8. And I just want you to hear this this morning. Uh, let, yeah, let love fall onto you. It says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as He makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.